This is TLDR Podcast, where we talk sports, MLB, NHLs, NBAs, pop culture, and nobody understands Westworld, and more. Top 10 alcoholic beverages. With your hosts, Alex. Yeah, boy. Eric. Yo. James. The San Francisco 49ers, best team in the league. Traded. Right. Oh, sit down, bud. And Tyler. Oh, damn where we do the research and trash-talking for you. What kind of cockamamie bullshit is Adam Silver thinking? <laughs> they're playing super hot right now, and they're... It's the not finishing. Game. It's the middle of the season. Oh, I understand that, but I'm saying that they're, they're moving towards that. Welcome to TLDR Podcast, presented by Anchor. Yo! everybody hello and welcome to episode 54 of tldr podcast here we are it's a weird day it feels like it's sunday but it's monday because the fourth of july was yesterday and that should all make sense right um you know what doesn't make sense that hockey is about to end uh in one period from now i really hope that's not the case trade-in I really hope that you also agree with me. Yeah, I mean, we always want to see uh, we want to see series go longer than this, and I don't I don't think that NBC would have liked to have their last finals be a sweep. But I believe the NBA's contract with NBC ended with a sweep too. So I mean, I, I, the the bright side of it is the 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 quicker NBC's out of here, the better, in my opinion. So you're saying the NHL and the NBA are completely identical? Yeah, that's what you just said, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. That, that if that's what you extrapolated <laughs> from that, you're you're there. Um, <laughs> Alex is now a part-time Shohei Otani slash Angels fans guy. He was at mm-hmm. an Angels game this yeah. weekend. Alex, big I- big ang- big Angels guy. After this uh, <laughs> one game. Uh, yeah, the game game was great. Shohei hit two bombs. Uh, James's favorite player, Jared Walsh, with the walk off hit. It was a great game. Visited the boys, Eric. We 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 didn't see you, but uh, I uh, went four and zero at Beer Die at Trading's house. So wow. uh, that's a big win. It's a big win. Big win. Uh, Tyler and I destroyed Trading and James. So that was uh, oh yeah. yeah. I don't know if it was destroyed. What? James doesn't Dude. remember. He was too much consumption of adult beverages. He doesn't remember. Yeah, totally. That's why I drove to Redondo Beach right after. That's cool. Yeah. 11, 11 to 5 or something, you know, destroyed. Yeah. Uh, so, but I'm good, man. It's good to have you yeah. back. First time in a while. All five of us have been on here. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm good. Um, did did Traden drop any dice? No, I Because oh, he man. never does. I did. I did. Oh, wow. Traden did. <laughs> I dropped uh, everything. I think his own cup. Very early on in the day, I did hear. <laughs> so, Alex is now a big Angels guy and a big beer diet. Everybody, um, James, you're 0 and 4. What the hell, man? In beer diet, apparently. What? No, 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 no. I lost one time, oh. one time only. I think I went <laughs> six and one. That oh. one time happened against Tyler and Alex. Didn't um, we lose yeah. against the dads, you and me? No. Oh, I wasn't playing with you then. Oh, I was playing with Kylie. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. with Kylie, yeah. I probably could have kept that out, but oh well. <laughs> you just make you sound really bad now. <laughs> but yeah, I only lost one time, so that ain't bad. 
but Alex is right. I did lose to him. But I outdrank Alex because the next day he was drinking water as his first drink, and I had like four seltzers. Dude had a water. <laughs> it was 90 degrees game. outside. I was trying to be an adult, making good <laughs> <Why>? decisions. <laughs> made um, a good decision. I'm still alive. Right. I made a great decision. Tyler, Tyler is now an adult, everybody. Uh, he's an L.A. resident uh, as of, like, last week or something, right? Yeah, he's, he's lived there. Yeah, I mean, I've been, <laughs> moved across I've been the living in L.A. Literally across the street. January, but moved into a bigger apartment with Jess. Across the street. Across the street. Yeah. Yes. Once an L.A. resident, always an yeah. L.A. resident, Tyler. Um, guys, we're going to get right into it. Uh, we're one period away from hopefully not a sweep by the Tampa Bay Lightning Rods um, trading. Let's get right into it. Yeah, I mean, it, guys, I, 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 we talked about this series uh, last week. There's only, you know, three of us. So, it, you know, the, the dis- while the discussion was great, it, we missed out on some key, uh, you know, insight from, from, from you, Eric, and you, James. And I'm just going to throw it right back at you, Eric. Um, is this what you expected? No, I mean... I don't want the Lightning to win. I wanted the Islanders to beat them in games. seven, like I said, was going to happen, uh, which didn't. But the Canadians taking out Vegas, I think they kind of just gave the Lightning an easy route. It's, it seems like uh, Vegas just like took – that series took a lot of energy out of Montreal. You know, they had to come back in that series. They pulled it off, um, and they were riding high. But, you know – I feel like besides the game going on right now, most of them have been one-sided and that the Lightning are just the better team, uh, dominating them in all categories. Price, you know, Price is, is obviously a great goaltender. Um, maybe in a couple of those games he could have been a little better, but I don't I don't put any blame on him. I am a little surprised, though, that it's, you know, that it's 3-0. I thought at least maybe 2-1 or – you know, I thought there'd be a little more fight out of the Canadians. Well, I mean, if you look at game one, yeah, I, I agree. I think I think Tampa Bay completely just imposed their will on the on the Habs. But that game two was a different story. And it just goes to show, you know, Montreal outplayed the Tampa Bay Lightning pretty much all three periods. And and Vasilevsky was able to save them. And. You know, I I, I kind of think that we've seen Carey Price do that for a few, like quite a few games this this postseason. And you know, it was it was Vasilevsky's turn to to kind of you know turn the tables. Um, James, you said in this podcast or before we started this podcast, you had a theory about this game. I want to hear yeah. that. Okay, so do you guys hear about all the kind of a lot of the Lightning fans and family can't get into Montreal because of the COVID stuff oh, and yeah, all this. You can't make that happen, right? So I think the Lightning are purposefully going to lose this game so they can celebrate with their friends again. It's like they're kind of dominating from the get-go. It's like, all right, we're up 3-0. We're going to be up 3-1 after today. They have more <laughs> chances to win one more game than the Mountain Canadians have to win three more games. So I think they're going to purposely lose this one. Yeah, they're, they're playing. They're not making the best moves. They're taking stupid penalties. Like, they don't look – like they did in the first three games. They don't look like they did in game one or game three, that's for sure. They look slow, they look discombobulated. At the, I, I mean, like, they're going to try and win, but they're also not going to go above and beyond to win because if they go back home, they can celebrate with their friends family. Yeah, I, 
I, I heard someone else ask that. I think my mom did this weekend. She said, oh, are they just going to lose on Monday just so they can go back home? I, I, I see risk in that. And, you know, it's only I, I will say that the last time that a reverse sweep happened in the finals was like 1946 um, uh, at uh, t- t- um, sorry, uh, Toronto came back from a th- from a three zero deficit. It's only happened four times in NHL history, you know, I, but it, it's possible. And you don't want to give the Montreal Canadiens really anything because we've seen James, you, you you've said it all postseason. You give them an inch, they take a mile. Like that's just kind of their mantra. Right. Uh, and I, you know, I just kind of worry about if I, you know, if I'm a Tampa Bay fan, I'm like, you know, well, maybe we don't even risk that. Um, then again, it's always nice to, ha- to have a, have a home ice win. So I, I, it's a big question. It's a, it's a, it's a interesting theory. I just, I just find risk in that. And do, I mean, do you see risk in that? Or do you think that, you know, doesn't matter. There's no way that Montreal can win four in a row. Oh, there's always risk. I hope Montreal does win four in a row. Of All course. the Canadians to win. Uh, there's always going to be risk, but the percentage of it happening is going to be exponentially lower than it would be. I mean, it, if it was round one, it'd be slim. It's the finals now. Satanica finals. It's even lower than that. Like with every single round, it gets exponentially smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, fact of the matter is, though, if I'm wrong about this and Tampa Bay is playing their heart out and they don't look good, it's a momentum shift. Because that means... Canadians are finally getting their shit together. First couple of games, man, Canadians were in transition, missing assignments, doing bad line changes, leaving wide open guys to take open shots on Carey Price. Today, not happening That's as true. much. So is it a momentum shift? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think, Alex, I want to ask you this question. I think I think James kind of pokes at the biggest question that, you know, I, I have, about, I, I question myself this every single postseason seemingly, um, the idea of momentum. Does momentum exist or, or in a series, is it a one game thing? You know, is it a one game series every, you know, seven, one game series, or is it a momentum shift throughout a series? How do you feel about that? I think momentum does exist. Um, when you're down three Oh though, you, I mean, obviously you kind of have to take it one game at a time. So you, I mean, you just, you look at this game, you're down three Oh in the series, you come out to an early lead, they tie it back tie back up. I mean, I think momentum does exist. I mean, I know we always talk about the Kings, but they were the last team to do this. And I mean, just look at what happened in that series. They were down three out of the Sharks. They won game four, momentum swung. And then they won the other three games other than like at least two out of the other three, like pretty handedly and momentum and the Sharks players were in their locker room questioning what the hell is going on. How is this happening? And it gets into their head. Um, so if you're Tampa, as much as the mayor may want them to celebrate in Florida, you want to close it out tonight. Yeah. Like you want it tonight. You don't want to give anyone a even a little glimmer of hope because there is always a chance. I mean, it's highly unlikely to happen. There's always a chance. But yeah, I 100% think momentum's a real thing. Um, but yeah, at this point, if you're down 3-0, you've got to take it just one game at a time. But if you win game four, Momentum's on your side, Montreal. They just keep it going. Yeah, uh, I I I, t- I tackle this one because, you know, in in theory, you think it'd be it'd be one game, you know, you know, one game series every single series. But you but then you see then you turn around and see that, you know, once a team there might be a key moment 
there might be key momentum shift in in one game that will lead to a you know continue and it leads to a, a series you know shift like to, to james's point and i've, I've seen it multiple times so it, it, it's it's always an it's it's an interesting debate there uh tyler i want to ask you about the goaltending here so these are the top two goaltenders in the postseason clearly i mean i think we all can agree on that um Carey Price was sensational, um, at least through three series. Um, you can also say he's playing quite sensational now. Um, you know, he's, he has 19 saves, quite solid. Um, and, but Vasilevsky's just, you know, taken the taken over, especially in that game two where he faced, I think, like 40-some shots, 45 shots, and, you know, you know, stopped 44 of them or whatever. I, I ask you, who do you – do you think this changes – our idea about the con Smythe through these last three games. I mean, you said, I believe, did you say Braden point? I believe you said Braden point last week. Does this kind of change your, your idea there? I think it does a little bit just the width. The, I mean, Vasilevsky obviously came in, no doubt, probably the best goaltender in the NHL. Um, but then when your guy comes in the Stanley cup final and do, do, does what, he, what he's been doing, you know, and he's, it's not like he hasn't been doing that all, all postseason long he's been doing all but there's been other you know players i think that have contributed that maybe in a little more obvious way um but i mean your goalies are goalie and i think that when he is exceeding to such an exceptional rate like basketball he's doing you got to consider him for con smith and Braden point i don't think has been a huge influence in this final at this point obviously the con smith is for the entire in the entirety of the postseason that's what's kind of interesting about that award you can't just consider just the final, it is the whole thing in mind. Um, but I think when you consider that, I think Vasilevsky in every single series has been their best player. So I think for me, certainly, it's definitely changed my mind on who should win that award. Yeah, uh, I, I, I had thought that Vasilevsky was a front runner. I mean, obviously, Carey Price is the front runner, even if they lose, even though it has been a tough four games for him. I think he's still like throw the vote for him, even if he loses. I mean, he... I. I James, I'm sorry if, if you don't agree. I, if it wasn't for Carey Price, there's no way, right? I mean, you have to agree. Oh, they're not agree. Yeah, absolutely. I've been saying that the entire time. He's their team. Yeah, and I guess, do, do you see, do you think that this, James, I ask you, do you think that this Stanley Cup run was a fluke or do you see some value in this team and you think this is something that, you know, this is a rebuild, this is a, a year that they can build off of? I mean, at the beginning of this NHL season, I was going for the Canadians because of what they did in the bubble last season. Like in that bubble playoffs, they did well. And they took, like I said, they took that success and those building blocks and used it to create what they have today. And yes, there's ebbs and flows. There was crevices and there was mountains they had to climb to make it through that during the regular season. They had high points, they had low points. But through it all, they're still here. And they're one of two teams left who are still playing. And so just being that team, having that foundation, having gone through that, the adversity and the success together, it's always a good set for a building blocks for any team. Yeah. Um, qu- quite a, quite a story for the Montreal Canadians. I mean, they fire a coach midway, midway through the season. Uh, Mark Bergevin GM has been pretty much on the hot seat since, you know, this year, this time last year, just because he, he made such crazy moves. He's made such aggressive moves. Um, 
you know, thinking to himself, this is the year that we can go for it because it probably was their easiest path to the, at least the playoffs or at, and at least through the playoffs, if not through the, uh, through the first couple rounds, cause you don't have to pay a Boston. You don't have to play a, a Tampa this, this um, you know, this late, usually you're um, playing them a lot earlier, earlier. Uh, Eric, what's next for this, Montreal team for you. I mean, I, I think we can agree that it's pretty, it's, it's kind of dire at this point. They're probably not going to win the series. What do you think's next for them? I mean, like next season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you, do you see them? Do, do you see them being a, you know, obviously the divisions are going to change. The divisions are going back to normal. Um, they're going to be, they're going to be in a stronger division. Yeah. You, I, I see be- them maybe being a team that's like fighting for a playoff spot. They're all like in that Philly zone, the Philly Flyers zone. That's either like you're going to win your last like five games and make it or you're going to like lose two out of three and, and miss the playoffs by a few points. Um, yeah, I think you, you give them their credit. Carey Price, uh, Bergevin putting the team together and everything, but they, they seem to gotten a little luck with the way everything was set up. Shortened season, they squeezed into a spot. Uh, you were talking momentum earlier. They got the momentum from Toronto in that first series, and then they just pulled off a sweep on Winnipeg. They they found ways to get it done. I think I give them credit for beating Vegas, but I don't think it's going to be this easy for them next year. Um, and now is their chance to win a cup. Never say never, but we'll see. It's still 1-1, 14 minutes left. I see next year maybe they, they hit, hit like a seventh or eighth seed in the playoffs. I like that. So one of those, one of those wild card spots, I, th- I think that they are definitely going to grow. I mean, I think they're going to be a better team next year. Uh, it's just going to be a harder, you know, harder path. I mean, if, if we look at the, if we look at the, the way the, the points rolled out, Montreal's not in the playoffs in a normal year. I mean, that's the, I mean, they're, they're out they're They're on the outside looking in. Um, but you know, they, they took the benefit and they ran with it. And that's the, and that's why I think this team is so dangerous. So that's why, you know, going way back to, to my first question, um, I don't think you give them anything. Um, I want to ask you, Alex, um, this Tampa Bay team, like it's seem it's seemingly that they can win in every single, in any way possible. And I said that I said this over the weekend, but something that really strikes me. And I think that you, that you probably have seen it is the team, while you may not expect it, they're a nasty team. I mean, th- what I mean by nasty is they're not fun to play against. They hit, they, they are, they hit hard. They, they are just assholes. <laughs> they really are. Do you see that? And is that surprising for a team that is so skilled? I mean, they're just the most complete team in the NHL. They can win in a, you know, eight, seven game and they can win in a one, one scrappy game like this. Um, but yeah, they're, you know, I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, how the NHL needs villains. And I would say Tampa and Vegas right now are those two teams. Um, Vegas, because they've been so successful so quickly. Tampa, because they're always successful and they just pulled off this, um, you know, Kucherov, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to call it, uh, situation. Um, But yeah, they're nasty and they're going to win the Stanley Cup back-to-back, most likely. And they're legit. I mean, it's just, like they've done a great job getting guys that can do it all. I mean, they have the incredible skill guys and they have, you know, grinders like Patty Maroon and 
than the, and even they're like, I mean, their third line is better than Montreal's first line, pretty much. Like it's, they're yeah, just, yes. yeah, they're just insane. Um, and yeah, and they can beat you anyway. I mean, we saw it last year in the bubble in that five OT game against Columbus. And then, you know, they scrapped that one out and then they went to sweep the rest of the series and finished the playoffs off pretty handedly. I'm going to do it again now. They're insane. I'm over them. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> I think a lot of people are. Um, yeah. You know, I, they, I look at, I, you know, I look the way Kutrop plays and he just is he's a miserable hockey player. He's a miserable guy. He's just, <laughs> I, I just couldn't stand playing against that kind of, like he's just an asshole and, and it works, right? He has so much skill, but he's, he doesn't, you know, take it for granted. He, he, he's not, he's a nasty player to play against. Um, I would also put, you know, Braden point in there at times. Like I've never seen the guy smile. Like he's just, he just seems like he's miserable out there and it, and it works. That's, I think that's how a hockey player should be built. Um, James and Eric, I want to ask you guys this question before we kind of, you know, round it out. I asked this question to the other two guys last week. Uh, you know, they, they had a, the GM always get the best GM of the season always gets a, gets an award. And, you know, a, a question that popped up, you know, in one of my podcasts was, you know, it, it's so hard to really gauge until the, the, the season has been completely, you know, finished, you know, even through playoffs, it's very hard to gauge a GM's success. And, uh, you know, at, at least until then. And the biggest question that was asked is what's harder to do as a GM? Is it harder to maintain a good team consistently or rebuild? So I, I, I pass it on to you, James. I think it's harder to maintain a good team consistently um, because typically you get guys who are younger, like rookies, and you develop them through time. And with that, more often than not, they get better. And in a team that has good chemistry, a good leadership, they'll get better faster and get better to a point where they overtake what used to be the best for them. And then with that comes new contracts and with everything rising, they're going to demand more and more money. Mm -hmm. And so then now you got to let some of those guys go because you can't keep everybody because of salary cap. So now you have to go back to the draft and you have to, you know, get the perfect pick once again, that's going to be harder to do because typically if you're going to be a winning team, a good team, you're not going to have the best draft spot. So then you got to pick those low rounds. You got to pick those low picks and hopefully you get a gem. You find like a, somebody who just pops up out of nowhere, like a brain point. Wasn't he like a fifth round or something? Yeah. So hopefully you get somebody like him to fill in for the guys that you're losing. That's hard to do. When you rebuild thing, you probably have a lot more picks. You have a lot more chances to screw up. And then with the, if, if you have a shitty team, you're going to have a bigger salary cap more often than not. So you can use that to get better guys. So I think it's harder to keep a team good than it is to rebuild. Yeah. I, I tend to agree. Um, and, and this is actually a very interesting question because I think you're actually seeing two teams that kind of fall on that side, right? You said you have the, you have Tampa Bay, who's, you know, Julian Breeze, uh, Breezebois is consistently keeping this team strong. And then you have Mark Bergevin who kind of just kind of went crazy and, and brought teams, uh, brought players around um, to build the team that he, they, he thought would, you know, compete. I know that there's a little bit of, you know, there he's kind of maintaining too, but he did a lot of work, you know, in the off season to add. Uh, so Eric, I ask you as well. Well, I'll just, I'll just pick the different answer and say rebuild, <laughs> but you got to think of uh, drafting. The draft process is so it can be very unpredictable. Like you've seen the coyotes, you've seen these teams, the Blackhawks that, uh, even the New York Rangers, you know, they get these first or second round picks that end up maybe not 
fulfilling what they were supposed to be. So all these expectations are set. And when they don't get met, then like that could mess with your rebuild process from there. All of a sudden you're making trades or doing different things. You're changing the team around. Luckily for, you know, Bergevin, it worked out for him, but a lot of people criticize him just in the way he did that. Cause he just started swapping guys left and right. And, you know, maybe there's only a few uh, players in there that they've developed like who Suzuki, Denault, um, Obviously, Caulfield's going to be great for him. But, you know, you see a lot. Toffoli, Perry, um, Armia, all these other dudes were just picked up in the past few seasons in trade deadlines. So it could be tough both ways, but I'll pick the rebuilding route. I like that. Um, well, guys, I mean, unfortunately, this this uh, this series has quite – like a, a, very little like talking points because I think it's kind of really one-sided, unfortunately. Uh, it sucks for this, I guess. Um, you know, like I said, in the beginning, I'm, I, I'm kind of excited that NBC is going to be pat, you know, moving on. We're going to be moving on from them. I'm very excited to see how ESPN and TNT um, take over the, um, you know, take over the sport. I think it's going to be good for, I think it's going to be very good for hockey. Um, I see what they do with the NBA and I think, and I'm very excited for that. I really, tried to hone in on the broadcasting because I really wanted to see how they would like, you know, how they would work. Like I don't, they could either like make it try try to make it the best broadcast ever or just to say, I don't give a fuck. Let's just finish this shit. You know, I don't, I didn't know how they're going to do it. Um, but um, you know, it's, it seems like it's going to be over. If it's not over tonight, it's, it's, it's over, uh, you know, as early as Wednesday. Um, you know, I'm sorry to all the hockey fans who wanted it to be longer. I think we all did. We all wanted it to be, Sorry. you know, at least five or five or at least six or seven games, but um, we'll see. Yeah. I guess that's, that's all I got. I mean, we're next week we'll have, I'm not sure what we'll talk about, but you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Is that a loss for words guys with, with no hockey? He just, there can't be anything else he could think about. Um, NBC, here you go. Uh, you may see the Stanley cup get yielded with like no fans. Oh shit. There we go. Got a goal. Montreal just scored. Um, yeah, they did. But, uh, well, maybe not. But, you know, in 11 minutes, you could see the Stanley Cup get yielded into like a, you know, less than half-filled building in Montreal. So, uh, there you go, NBC. Good job. Um, when we return, guys, James is talking NFL foosball. Everyone, welcome back. Uh, Broncos, Raiders, Chiefs, Chargers. Who's going to be good and who's going to be complete dog shit? James, let's hear about it. All right, guys, we're back to the NFL talk. It's been a long time because I've been I hosted like three out of five weeks in a row or something, something crazy like that. We didn't talk NFL at all for months. So here we are. We're back to division previews. We're doing it a little bit different this year. Hope you guys enjoy. I hope there's a lot more talking points, a lot more arguments, and a lot more funny little situations because Eric is back. Starting off in the AFC West, we're going to go Denver Broncos because last season they finished an abysmal 5-11. and 11. To be honest, though, it was a tough season from the get-go. I mean, before game one even happened, they lost Von Miller for the season. They lost Cortland Sutton for the season. And, like, remember that one game they had a wide receiver be the QB because everybody had the Rona? So no QB. They put some random wide receiver out there, and I think he completed three passes on the day. 
So good for him. Good for the Denver Broncos. Last season, they were ranked 28th in offense, 25th in defense. Uh, this offseason, they lost running back Philip Lindsay and quarter, cornerback A.J. Boye, but they did sign two cornerbacks in all Darby and Kyle Fuller. In the draft, they drafted a cornerback in Patrick Sertan second and a running back in the second round in Javante Williams. Eric, why are the Denver Broncos going to be successful? Oh. <laughs> I think he's frozen. Uh, there he is. Back. What happened? All right. <laughs> why are the Broncos going to be Broncos? successful? Yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing. They're gonna they're starting three and zero because they play the Giants game one, Jaguars game two, Jets game three, three and zero. Um, not up for discussion. And then you gotta you gotta just put a little bit of hope um, and wishful thinking into Teddy Bridgewater. He, I mean. He had a, he had his chance back in the day when he was in the Vikings, and he had that gnarly injury. Um, and hold up, you're saying that he's gonna he's gonna start over Drew Lock? I mean, I, no, but I would say if Drew Lock is starting out terrible, like you give him a short leash because I think he's had time to prove himself. Maybe this is his last chance to prove himself. There, I feel like we were kind of talking about that last time we were talking about the Broncos, whenever the hell that was. Um, no one likes him anyways. Who cares about this fucking team? But look, they're going to start 3-0. and You'll have Teddy Bridgewater as a backup uh, for when Drew Locke starts messing up. Teddy Bridgewater was number four in deep pass rates uh, last year, 63%, only behind Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Jared Goff. So there's one good thing about him. Um, <laughs> their defense – uh, the only one, I guess, the only thing that was all right for him, there were 16th in pass yards allowed. Everything else, they were in like the 25th and below uh, ranking. So they're trending upward in their defensive capability, as you could say, in that sense. So they'll start off 3-0, and and then they'll work it out from there, maybe upset a few teams. Um, and this is why they're going to be good this year. Okay. Alex, why is Eric wrong and why are the Broncos going to suck? I mean, it's kind of tough because, uh, as you may remember, I picked the Broncos to be the AFC champion, um, assuming the Aaron Rodgers trade happens. But as of right now, that hasn't happened, and their quarterback situation is shit, so they're going to be shit. They're just – unfortunately, they're in a tough – they're in, a, a, I think, a, almost a low-key tough division. With I mean, obviously, one team looks very good, and the other two are maybe sneaky good. Um, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but – I just think they have a tough division. They have a great beginning schedule. That sounds great. 3-0. They could go lose all the next games. <laughs> like they could go 3-14. <laughs> and 14. So uh, it's, a, it's a tough year. Um, you know, you really don't know what you're going to get with Vaughn Miller. You know, he's been that franchise guy for the last decade or so. But him coming back um, off that injury is going to be tough. Um, you know, hopefully Cortland Sutton. It's, it's, there's a lot of health issues and – unfortunately for Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke they're just they just can't they're not going to do it Denver's a super hard place to play with the altitude and then leaving the altitude I just don't see it right now for Denver unless Aaron Rodgers comes and then obviously they'll be the AFC champions like I said a month and a half ago Alex what is their um, record going to be at the end of the season their record is going to be let's see they were they were five and uh, 11 last year right correct I'll give them six and 11 since that makes six. 17 now six and they 11, get one okay. more win one more win 
they're not like a terrible, terrible team. I just don't think they're they're just in the middle of the pack. And it's just gonna be a tough year, tough year in Colorado. Okay, Eric, what's the record gonna be? Uh, yeah, probably six and eleven. Let's be realistic here. <laughs> um, if they get Aaron Rodgers, though, they'll be eleven and six. So that's the uh, the silver lining. Dude, if they get Aaron Rodgers, I think they'll be fifteen and two. If they don't, something like that. <laughs> I think they're gonna go nine and eight. So I'm a little bit higher on them than you guys are. Reason being is Teddy that Bridgewater. <laughs> okay, that's that you said about the deep throwing. It's because they had Robbie Anderson, man. That guy just runs <laughs> straight, and that's all he does with, with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, but they do have Jerry du- Judy for the Broncos, and Corlin Sun's coming back. QB is a weak spot, but that secondary that wasn't so good last year, they've made some really good pickups in the draft, and Ronald Darby and Kyle Fuller, who was once a pro bowler back in the day. And the fact that you got Vaughn Miller back and Bradley Chubb's getting better and better, that's going to be a nightmare for offensive lines. So I'm thinking nine and eight. Last year was a fluke because they had so many injuries and didn't have a QB for a game. This year shouldn't be that bad. Nine and eight. Traden, what do you think? Uh, no, I, I have like a like a six and ten. Or I'm sorry, uh, six and eleven. <laughs> Everybody said six and eleven. With the, there's an extra game. Yeah. Okay. And then Tyler. Yeah, I'm gonna go with more of the consensus. I'll, I'll I'll go five and twelve to be a little more different, but yeah, I don't I don't think they're gonna be that great. Okay, uh, moving on, are we gonna go talk about fantasy? So Eric, because you're the four, tell me about the fantasy players for uh, the Denver Broncos. Uh, Melvin Gordon. You hope that he has a good season. <laughs> um, you know, he may be getting a lot of handles uh, if the quarterback situation isn't where it needs to be. Um, so there's your points right there. Teddy Bridgewater, get him as a backup. Have him <laughs> just, he, Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a waiver wire guy. Like watch, we're going to talk about him. We're going to, when are we talking about him though? <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> He's frozen. Eventually. Yeah, eventually. Um, Noah Fant. Font. Fant. Noah Fant. Uh, I remember him last year, actually. He was pretty solid fantasy-wise um, or, you know, one of the better players on that team to get you points. And then lastly, Jerry Judy. Um, exactly kind of what you just described, James. Uh, up-and-coming receiver for them. Let's hope they have a good quarterback to throw him a lot of passes and hopefully touchdowns. So contrary to what you think, I would stay away from the Broncos running backs. Mainly because Javante Williams is highly regarded. And who's going to start in this position? Is it going to be Melvin Gordon, who is not very efficient, or is it going to be Javante Williams, who is a workhorse back in North Carolina? It's kind of a toss-up right now. Either way, whoever gets that starting position, if you figure that out, go with them because they're going to run the ball a lot because that quarterback position is shaky, just like Eric said. Moving on to the Los Angeles Chargers. Finished at 7-9. They fired their head coach of Anthony Lynn and hired Brandon Staley, who Trayton loves. Last season, 23rd in offense, 14th in defense. They lost um, a tight end, a really good tight end in Hunter Henry, who Tyler loves apparently. And then Melvin Melvin Ingram, the defensive end, is still a free agent. They did sign uh, a center, Corey Lindsley, the two offensive guards, and tight end Jared Cook from the Saints. And the draft, they drafted Rashawn Slater with a 13th overall pick and Asante Samuel Jr., a cornerback, in the second round. Traded. Why are the Chargers going to be successful? Well, I, I, I think it, I think it's the moves they made 
you know, in the off season, I mean, signing uh, Brandon Staley, I mean, he, obviously two of the, two of the guys on here know him very well. Um, former defensive uh, coordinator for the LA Rams who have been consistently one of the best defensive teams for quite a few years now. I mean, I think we all agree on that. We, we constantly put them in that, you know, upper tier and maybe not elite elite, but they're, they're upper tier, you know, countless, you know, countless years. And I think that that, that, that alone is going to bring a lot more, you know, that defensive mind is really going to help this team that doesn't need much help offensively. They need the help defensively well, besides one area of, of the offense. Uh, and I'll get to that, but they need, they need some defensive mind to help them. I mean, they're, they're in the, they're in the bottom tier or bottom half of the, uh, of the league defensively last year. And, you know, that alone, I think is going to win them a couple more games. That being said on the offensive side, this is where, you know, this is where they kind of shine. I mean, you have, uh, you have Justin Herbert, who, who was my, um, you know, my QB for, for fantasy last year. And he was an absolute stud complete fluke that he even got in on game two and he took it and ran with it. Uh, and then, you know, you, you have a lot of pieces there. You have Austin Eckler who, who, when he was healthy, he was very efficient. Uh, Keenan, Keenan Allen is, you know, of the best. I mean, we all, we all know that. Um, tight end Jared, Jared Cook is a little bit of a question mark, I, I'll admit. Uh, but he, I mean, he, he has his moments, but he's not consistently amazing. The most important thing, though, is the Chargers needed to, uh, to address their offensive line, and they did in the offseason. That offensive line has improved immensely. Even even Pro Football Focus has already ranked them, um, you know, higher. Right now they're at at, at 18th. Um, that was way. I mean, they were in the 30th, like 30th percentile. And I think that they're actually being a little bit, you know, conservative in this respect. Um, and I think that they're actually going to, you know, surprise way to the upside. Uh, and look at, we had Justin Herbert as one of the best, if not the best, quarterbacks in some, you know, in certain weeks. Uh, at least fantasy wise, and he's able to make plays with a bad offensive line. Let's give him a good offensive line and just see what happens. I mean, that's why I think this team's, you know, destined to have a very, very good season. And um, I'm very excited to see them, you know, you know, play the the chiefs. Um, and I think that they're going to actually have a, have a shot at the, at the division. I'll be honest with you. I like that. Tyler, why are the chargers going to suck? <laughs> Uh, so here's the thing with the Chargers. I think they are a very good football team. And I think that the piece, as, as you mentioned, they added what they needed, right? You know, but there are a lot of new pieces, especially in the front office, especially in the, the leadership role of this team. And those can be very hit and miss sometimes. And as much as I like that their, their new head coach, he's a former Rams guy, love that guy. Uh, um, I think Staley will be successful. I just don't know if he'll be successful in his first year with this, with this new team. I think it takes time for those things to develop. And you look at their schedule, the first five weeks, they're playing a lot of good football teams the first five weeks. Put that up, put that with a shortened preseason schedule. We'll see how they can get out of, out of those first five weeks. Um, you know, granted, it's a longer season, so maybe the second half of the season they will, you know, improve. Um, but also Justin Herbert, I think he's a fantastic quarterback. We'll, you know, sophomore slump, maybe. We'll see. I think sometimes quarterbacks with – or, you know, when people succeed so well, I think they come back down to earth just a little bit. And we'll see how much he does come back down to earth and how much that will affect this Chargers team because obviously everything's running through him right now. Um, I don't think he'll I don't I don't think he'll suck, but I don't I don't know if he'll have as great of a season as he did last year. Um, but they are more well more well rounded. Um, but I just don't think they're gonna be as good as I think a lot of people think. 
I, I think on paper they they look very good, but we'll see how they play on the, um, when it comes time to actually play. How are they going to finish? Uh, I'm going to go eight and nine. So I think I said they'll, they'll be a decent team, um, but they will just fall short of a winning record this year. That's okay. Uh, Trading. 12 and five, 12 and six, 12 and five. <laughs> Can't do math. 12 and five. I agree with you. I'm going to say 12 and five as well. Uh, reason being that offensive line trade said it was a top 18. I think it's a top 10. They're just, they're not rating Rashawn Slater as good as he should be because he's a rookie, but like I dominated at Northwestern. He's going to dominate in the NFL. That swing tackle position. It's, it's more of a question on whether uh, Justin Herbert can move up to the hype. He came into this league as a backup quarterback, knowing Tyrod Taylor was going to take, the majority of this year and make it his own. He went in there and nobody expected much from him. This year, everybody's expecting the world from him. Can he live up to that pressure? We'll see. The biggest thing that I'm concerned about with this Charger squad is the defense. Darren James is back as a safety, which is great because he missed them all last year. But outside of Joey Bosa, there's no pass rush. So I hope Brandon Staley can manufacture something to get some pass rush there because otherwise that defense is not is not it. Alex, how are they going to finish? I'm going to go right in between you guys. I'm going to go 10 and seven. Um, I think you bar guys are both making great points. Um, I do agree with you, James. Justin Herbert is going to have to step up. And now there's not the, um, oh, he didn't have an offensive line caveat to it. He's going to have it. We're going to have to see it. Um, I think I'm going to go 10 and, 10 and seven. Eric. 11 and six. <laughs> Just one more win. Just one moment. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk fantasy here. I start off with the quarterback position with Justin Herbert. Chad, what do you think? I, I mean, he, he, he was the, the rookie of the year for the AFC, um, threw for over 4,000 yards, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. I mean, this guy had with, and, you know, going back to what Alex said, with a bad offensive line. Now, you know, there's a little bit of changes and I, you know, you, you might want to be a little bit weary of, you know, a defensive coordinator coming in and, as your head coach and maybe changing a scheme a little bit, but I, I hope that he would look at what they did, you know, at least offensively and say, Hey, you know, this works, let's try it with this offensive you know, line and go with that. But who knows how they're going to do it. I would say he's, he's going to be up there in one of the first, uh, you know, quarterbacks to be taken, at least in the first five, we'll say. Okay. So he finished as QB number nine. Do you think he finishes or like better than that? Yes, I do. Okay, I like that. And moving on to Austin Eckler, you said that you liked him because he, when he's healthy, he's good. He finishes RB26, missing six games. Yeah. Is he, does he stay healthy this year? Healthy enough to be a top 20 running back? I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say, again, I'm going to sound like a broken record. Um, a, a tough offensive line puts you, puts you in, in risk of getting hit more. So you're having a better offensive line. It's probably going to be bode well for you as a running back. When he played, he was, he was averaging 16.5 fantasy points per game. That's ninth in the NFL. That's fantastic. In my opinion. Um, and you know, I, and he's averaging 4.6 yards per carry behind that bad offensive line. So uh, if that's an, an improvement and he can stay healthy, he's, he's another one that's has the potential for going off. I like that. And then last but not least, Keenan Allen's being drafted in the third round. Would you draft him in the second round if you had a chance? I think I would. Um, you know, it just bodes, it just goes back to, you know, Justin Herbert, you know, stepping up and, and maintaining his composure with the pressure that's going to be on him. And Keenan Allen kind of can make anything happen sometimes. I mean, the guy is so good, in my opinion. And, 
you know, if when you have a very, very confident um, quarterback like that, I think I, I think that he's he's in for another fantastic year. I like that. That's going to wrap up the uh, Chargers. Moving on to the Las Vegas Raiders, who finished eight and eight. They were 12th in offense, 30th in defense. Their defense was atrocious. Uh, in the offseason, they lost wide receiver Nelson Aguilar and edge defender Tack McKinley. But they did add a couple of cornerbacks in Casey Hayward and Russell Douglas, uh, some wide receivers in John Brown and Willie Sneed. They added Kenyon Drake from the Cardinals and added edge defender Yannick Ngakwe from the Ravens, who used to be in the Pro Bowl. Uh, they drafted an offensive tackle in the first round, which doesn't make sense at all. And in the second round, they drafted safety Trevon Mori. Tyler, why are the Raiders going to be successful this, this season? There are a lot of question marks with this Raiders team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But they did hire a, a defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley. You know, so he was part of the Legion of Boom with Seattle. I think this guy really knows how to coach a secondary. And there are a lot of questions on that side of the ball. You know, they, they did, I think, probably reach for some draft picks um, this, this season. So I think they're going to have to be successful or there's going to be a lot of guys on the hot seat. Um, Gruden is, is, is especially going to, you know, there's going to be a lot of, you know, question marks with how this team is managed going forward if this defense does not improve. Obviously, 30th ranked is pretty shit. Um, and I don't know if they added a ton of pieces to really improve on that. Um, so that's really where this team is. That's where the key is for this team. I think offensively, they're going to do enough to, to put up points every game. But defensively, that's where they're going to, you know, really need to improve. Um, I think they have some pieces to do better than, than they did last season. You know, I, again, I don't think that they're a top 15 defense by any stretch of the, by any stretch of the imagination. But I think that they will be better and compete. And I think that they'll be, you know, in every single game. Um, and their offense, you know, um, Derek Carr, his QBR with John Gruden has improved every single season. Um, I think they got a lot of good depth on the offensive side of the ball. And then Darren Waller is one of the best offensive weapons in the league. Um, offensively, I think this team will be pretty good. The offensive line, you know, kind of changed around a little bit. Um, but I think that they'll still be good enough to uh, be competitive and put up points. Um, I think they'll, I think this will be a top 15 offense. Um, so with that in mind, you know, obviously a really good, a, a pretty good offense with a, you know, we'll see what happens defense. Um, it's going to be a lot of question marks. Um, but I think also one thing that the Raiders have against going against them, uh, their strength of schedule is, or they, they have one of the toughest um, schedules in, in the league. So they're going to be tested early and often. Um, but I think that this Raiders team will improve. I think Gus Bradley is going to come in and uh, shake things up on the, on the defense side of the ball. And I think they'll do a lot better than a lot of people think. Eric, why are the Raiders going to suck? Well, they're going to start 0-4, um, as Tyler just said, because game one is Ravens, game two, Dolphins, game three, Steelers. Uh, all three of those, you know, 10-plus win teams last year. Uh, then they got the Chargers, who uh, we just heard are going to be good. So – that's four losses right out, right out the gate for them. Um, it's going to mess with their momentum. As we talked earlier, momentum. Uh, and they traded away three of their starting O-linemen. Um, these guys who were protecting Derek Carr, getting him, uh, you know, those, those ratings Tyler was talking about. Now those guys are gone. Um, 
And then, I mean, Tyler kind of just covered it. 26th uh, worst ranked roster in the, in the, in the league, apparently. <laughs> According to one random source <laughs> I found on Google. Um, and then, you. <laughs> but then, you know, defensively, the liabilities are going to, are going to remain their safety last year, lowest ranked safety in the league. Um, you know, I feel like we've talked about safeties before and uh, how important they can be. Um, and then their corners were sixth lowest in the league. So bad defense, Derek Carr, this is his last chance, I feel like, uh, with them. I don't really have a lot of trust in him. And those first four games are going to be pretty tough. We'll see if they can become battle-tested or not. Your hate for Derek Carr, like, just floors <laughs> me, man. <laughs> I mean, his, his coach doesn't even like him at this point, to be honest with you. Like, Derek Carr might be his last season. <laughs> Eric, how do they finish? Mm. I think they go seven and nine. Does that make 17? Wait, seven and 10. (laughs) There we go. Tyler. I'm going to go nine and eight. I think that they're going to win some games that people think. So you said four in those first four games. I think they're going to go two and two in in those first four. They're going to get off to a pretty good start and they're going to finish nine and eight. That's ambitious. I'm, I'm going six and 11. The running back room is their best asset other than Darren Waller. They have a lot of great wide receivers who haven't really shown out yet. They're young. They're improving. That O-line does not have continuity. Eric had mentioned they lost three of them. So they have three out of five pieces that are brand new. It's going to be tough to win if you miss your blocks. And other than that, they didn't really add anything on defense other than Yannick Ngakwe, who's kind of fallen off. The, like, he's not as good as he used to be. So 6-11. and 11. Alex, what do you think? I'm also going to go 6-11. and 11. Um, I mean, just pretty much mirroring what you just said. No faith in the defense. I'm not a big John Gruden guy. I was not a fan when they gave him 10 years, which seems insane to me. Um, The Raiders are the most disappointing franchise in, like, the NFL right now. They should be way better. They're not. 6-11, and another disappointing year. Taking that from the Jets, huh? (laughs) I mean, the Jets are trash. The Raiders should be good, and they're not. The Jets are bad. They're going to be bad. That was more of my my philosophy. That's fair. I think the Jets are going to be great, by the way. But we'll cover that later. Finn, what do you think? Um, I have nine and eight. Why nine and eight? Yes. Why? <laughs> Derek Carr, man. I mean, contrary to what everything Eric says about him and contrary to what John Gruden, who I think is a terrible hire, um, Derek Carr's good, man. And he can get stuff done. Would you draft Although- Derek Carr as your quarterback for your fantasy team? He has to now. He's currently going I have, undrafted. I have to now. I have to now, yeah. Okay. It was like me talking about Daniel. I'm not Jones gonna. All I'm not gonna unless you got to If you first overall pick, you got to pick him. First overall, first, first like Derek Carr. First overall, Derek Carr. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You said he's better. So, than so do you want me to on? I'd rather you know on uh, on you know YouTube. I'd rather show everyone I'm gonna burn my hundred dollar bill because I'm pretty <laughs> much doing that if, they, <laughs> if that's the case. <laughs> Tyler, let's talk fantasy real fast. Would you draft Derek Carr? He's, he's going undrafted. Uh, not really, unless it's he's, you know, <laughs> you don't have a good – I think he's a good kind of late pick insurance quarterback to have, you know, in case your quarterback gets hurt or for whatever reason sucks. Um, but I, I, I will say this about Derek Carr. He is reliable. He, I don't think he has the biggest upside that a lot of other quarterbacks do, 
but he consistently puts up pretty solid numbers every week. And for the most part, he stays pretty healthy. So I will say that about Derek Carr. He is a reliable option, but I don't think he's definitely, he's not the best option by far, but I think he's a top 20 fantasy QB, you know, so he I finishes think he's number 13. So yeah, yeah. you're on point. Yeah. So I think, I think, I think he's a reliable option. You know, like you said, if you get guy that I think is a good insurance quarterback. Uh, for the running back room, they added Kenyon Drake, who was a starter with the Cardinals. Josh Jacobs is kind of the bell cow, but I don't know if that's going to be the case anymore. Josh Jacobs is being drafted uh, at 36. Kenyon Drake is being drafted at 115. If you had a chance to kind of take a shot here, right? Huge discount if you take Kenyon Drake, but you have to draft Josh Jacobs in the third round. Who would you pick? Um, I'm probably going to lean towards Jacobs. I just think that he's going to get more of the scoring opportunities over Drake. Um, I think Drake will get more, you know, yardage probably, but I think, you know, I think point or scoring is a little bit more important fantasy. So I'm going to go Jacobs on that one. Okay. Last question for you here. Darren Waller. He finished a tight end number two, finishing a couple of points shy of Travis Kelsey. Would you draft him over Travis Kelsey? Because Travis Kelsey is being drafted in the first round. Darren Waller is being drafted late second. Man, that's a tough one. I think those guys, I think those are no brainers. If they're available to draft, you draft them, you know, um, I'm going to go. Yes. Just because I think he might get targeted a little bit more. I think Kelsey's on a team that I think the, the, the options a little bit more spread out. Um, I think Waller's going to pretty much be their number one target for Derek Carr. So I would go with him just because I think he'll get a more load than uh, Kelsey will. Barely though. It's more a, that, of a load. That, that's a more of a load. Yeah. More of a load. Okay. More of a load. <laughs> Pause. Yeah. Moving on to the Kansas City Chiefs, last but not least, the first overall loser. 14 and 2 last season, fifth in offense, 21st in defense. This offseason, they lost Sammy Watkins, cornerback Prashad Breland, Lev Bell, and tackle Eric Fisher. But they retooled their offensive line extensively. And they added Pro Bowl guard Joe Tooney from the Patriots. Kyle Long came out of retirement to play for him. He's also a guard. Austin Blythe from the Rams. You guys know him. He's good. And they got Orlando Brown, who's a former Pro Bowler, paid him a ton of money. This O-line is brand new, retooled, top two offensive lines in the league right now. Uh, they went into the draft, and they drafted Nick Bolton, a linebacker, and a center, Creed Humphrey. Uh, it's Alex. So <laughs> why are the Chiefs going to be – why are the Chiefs going to win the Super Bowl? This yeah. Season? Well, no. You know they're going to well, be I good. Mean, so the are they going to win the Super Bowl? If they get Aaron Rodgers, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Um, but, I mean, you have to consider them the favorites uh especially to come out of the afc um top top three quarterback top three wide receiver top three tight end top two offensive line defense is pretty stacked got one little issue with uh clark depending on what happens with his off, off field situation um clyde edwards Hilaire almost underrated possibly because of sort of a weird season last year uh this chiefs team is loaded um they're gonna be good you know, we don't all, we seem excited about some of the other teams in this division, but none of us are like, Oh yeah, they're going to go 15 and two. Uh, but this chief team could go 15 and two. They're that good. And I mean, we saw it in the super bowl. Their biggest weakness was an iffy offensive line after some opt outs and some injuries. Um, this team's, I mean, you have the best, probably the best quarterback and now a top two offensive line. Typically, when you have a good quarterback and a good offensive line, things go well for you. So 
Uh, yeah, Kansas City Chiefs are going to be very good. Um, they do have a kind of a tough schedule, actually. Their first eight games, they play some really good teams, uh, but they finish off a little bit easier. So I think this Chiefs team is going to be going to be very good. Jaden, well, how are the Chiefs going to suck? Well, I don't know. Um, <laughs> All right, Garrett Cole. Look, I mean, I, I definitely took I definitely took the hardest the hardest you know topic or, or you know part of this whole conversation, and I guess I'm only gonna have to point out that you know I understand that the that the offensive line already started to have some issues halfway through, um, but we saw that this team was you know kind of had way too many close games against so-so teams you know for most of the season last year i mean a- after that week eight you know domination of the jets you know they, they play teams like the panthers you know the raiders broncos and they're only one score games and i just kind of look at that and like you know w- w- what's kind of going on there i mean if, if if you're an elite team you should be you know playing a lot better than that um and then well, i'm not going to count the last game the last loss against the Chargers when they didn't even play their their main guys um but uh, you know, I, I also look at, you know, yes, they did retool their offensive line, but, you know, maybe they don't gel, you know, I guess, you know, things, some crazier things have happened. And if they just don't gel, then they, they, we might see a, you know, a subpar uh, or, a, or a mediocre uh, offensive line. And we saw what happens when, when the offensive line is iffy with this team. And I think that we also have to look at the other, the other teams in the division. I think that the Raiders are going to have a better, a little bit better season, not a great season, but a bit better season. The chargers I have, you know, having a much better season and, and, and given, given the chiefs a little bit of a run for their money. And I could also, you know, throw in the, the Browns. I think they're a better team. They know that there's a, there's a, there's a lot more. I I think there's a lot of teams that are going to be a little bit more improved, which is going to make it a little bit harder for the chiefs. On top of that, this is the second straight season that the chiefs are considered, I guess the third straight season that the chiefs are considered the best team in in the NFL. And you can't tell me that these teams don't have their number and no, and, and, you know, studied the tape and, and want to, you know, have, have found the weaknesses that the, that the chiefs may or may not have. And they're going to, they're going to try to exploit them in every single way possible. So I I just think that the team, the teams they play aren't going to make it easy. Um, and you know, we, we may see an offensive line that kind of isn't as fantastic as, you know, we say they're going to be, am I crazy for saying that? Yes. I'm, I'm a fucking idiot, but I have to say something. So, um, 15 and two, here we come. Okay. Okay. Uh, so what do you think? Um, I don't actually think they're going to go 15 and two. That's last year. I said something stupid about the Ravens and that didn't go well. So I'm not going big this year with these good teams. Um, I think it's more like a 13 and four. Um, it might take some time for that offensive line to gel. Again, that beginning of the season, I mean, they play the Browns and the Ravens back to back to open the season up. Um, we, you know, those are good teams. Um, I think it's going to take a little bit of time, but I do think this team is easily the best in this division and should win it pretty easily. I'm going to agree with Trayden. I'm going to say 15 and two. I don't see this. This team is too talented and too good and too well coached to lose more than two games. Patrick Mahomes, fantastic. O-line, top two. Um, the only thing that didn't really improve on is their defense. And like Alex alluded to earlier, Frank Clark may or may not be suspended for the year. Who knows? But if he's out, you got to find some other pass rusher. Maybe go get Melvin Ingram just to mess with the Chargers head. Got to do something because right now you got you have no pressure without Frank Clark. Eric, how are they going to finish? 13-4, and four, I think. 
maybe they, a couple games slip away from them. Last year they they were they kept coming back. Games that they started out slow, uh, they would they would pick it up back in the end um, and pull off those wins. So I think a few of those uh, will get to them this year, but they'll still be fine. Thirteen and four. And in time, <laughs> I'll go fourteen and three. I mean, I guess as you guys mentioned, this team is you know elite, and they'll play that way all season. Okay, let's talk fantasy real fast. Alex, quarterback Patrick Mahomes, he finishes quarterback number four. Does he finish as quarterback three, two, or one this season? Um, I'd say quarterback four again. I don't think he's going to run as much as some of the other quarterbacks um, that we'll talk about, obviously, when we get to other divisions. Um, you know, he can put up huge numbers, but that mobile quarterback is elite in fantasy football, um, you know, Fantasy football quarterbacks are better than real quarterbacks sometimes, and real quarterbacks are shitty in fantasy football sometimes. It doesn't always make a whole lot of sense, but um, I'd say he's still a top five, but I don't think he's going to finish in the top three. Running back, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, finished as running back 23 last season. His ADP right now is 35. Are you concerned with his inability to find the end zone? No, not really. Um, I think he was a rookie. I think he's got some some growing up to do. Um, I'm not going to pick him in the first round. I can tell you that much. Like he was going, I feel like last year. Um, I didn't, yeah, I didn't pick him, but um, I obviously, (laughs) I think he was going towards the end of the first round in a lot of drafts. Um, I see him probably ending up as like a top 15 in that 15 to 10 range. Um, I'm expecting a step up, but I don't think he's going to be the top echelon of running backs. Uh, Tyreek Hill, how early would you draft him? Right now he's going at nine. Well, I got burned drafting a wide receiver in the first round last year. Michael Thomas, you buck. Uh, so I'm going to try to avoid doing it again. But if, if you know, you're at the end of the first round and all the big running backs are gone, go for it. Um, you know, he's, oh, he's shown to have elite games, but he can sometimes disappear a little bit. Um, so I'm thinking more like early second, more than late first personally. But if you have a good feeling on it, I, I could see you, you know, go and pick 9, 10, 11, something like that, depending on your league size. Travis Kelsey, same question. He's going to number seven right now. Yeah, so I would actually not do what Tyler said, and I would wait and draft Darren Waller where he's going because then you're getting almost Travis Kelsey in the second, and then you can get a running back in the first. Um, so I would not pick Travis Kelsey number seven. I'm – also an idiot though so if you don't want to listen to me i completely understand but that's not typically my strategy um but he is most likely going to be the number one target for the chiefs offense he almost led the league in receiving yards last year as a tight end which would have been nuts um but you know he got figured out in the super bowl maybe that was an offensive line issue but i would not pick him number seven but i wouldn't i could understand somebody doing it got it Alex, thank you for your answers. Everybody, thank you. That is my segment. It wouldn't be America if we didn't talk about football. Um, thank you, James. July. July, 4th of July. Yeah, it was yesterday, guys. America, football. Yeah. Um, when we come back, the NBA finals start tomorrow night. So we're going to have Alex get us right into that when we return.
Yo, everybody. Tomorrow night, the NBA Finals begin. Uh, and who other but to get us right into it than our NBA guy, Alex. Right, Alex? You are correct. Yeah, so the NBA Finals are here. Uh, it is the Bucks and the Suns. Uh, both winning their series in six games. Uh, the Bucks closing out the Hawks um, without Giannis Antetokounmpo. And then the Suns closing out the Clippers, um, who obviously were missing out on Kawhi Leonard. Um, so I think first, before we get into the NBA Finals, Paul George deserves some respect after the NBA world slash me slash a lot of us on this podcast um, – kind of shit on him a little bit with his performance in the bubble last year. Um, he carried that, he carried that Clippers team without Kawhi. Um, he did a great job. So mad respect to Paul George. Um, if any of you guys want to, you know, say anything about him, go ahead real quick before we, uh, get an NBA final. Yeah. The dude gave it his all. He played the most minutes out of anybody and it wasn't even close. Uh, the fact that he missed two free throws and still came out, the next game and showed out once again, showed how resilient he is, showed how much he cares and how much he's given to this team. And you never heard him once complain. Most people would go out there and be like, my team sucks. Nobody's helping me. I'm tired. Like, this is unfair. But he kind of keeps his mouth shut and does his thing and absolutely helped that Clippers team be to where they were today. So props to Paul George. Yeah, definitely. Um, breaking news, the Montreal Canadiens win game four. They've got <laughs> momentum. More hockey. Reverse sweep. Got momentum. Reverse They've sweep got momentum. They, they, they had to kill momentum. off a four-minute uh, uh, penalty kill. Yeah. End of the game. So it's pretty impressive. Josh, uh, I think Josh Anderson was the winner. It looks like. Yes, Maybe. sir. Yes, sir. Um, so yeah, game five Wednesday night. Tampa Mayor. Maybe it all works out for you. I don't know. Anyway, back to basketball. Um, so we got <laughs> we've got the Bucks. We've got the Bucks and we've got the Suns. Um, definitely not a matchup I think any of us picked at the beginning of the regular season or at the beginning Tyler of these playoffs. Uh, yeah, Tyler did respect Tyler for picking Thank the Suns James. early on. Um, but this is what we got. We've got Phoenix and Milwaukee. Big NBA markets. Here we go. I'm sure the NBA is pumped about it. Um, we'll start with the Bucks because uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo did miss a couple games there in that Hawks series. And then uh, it looks like he's doubtful for game one. Um, so, Tyler, let's start with you. What, I mean, what if Giannis doesn't play? I mean, if he misses some, like, what are your thoughts on the Bucks with him injured, may or may not play, don't really know for the rest of the series? Um, go ahead. I mean, they, they need their MVP out there, just plain and simple. This is the NBA Finals, and this Phoenix Suns team is, is a very good basketball team. They need him out there both offensively and defensively to be a presence out there on the court. Um, so if they don't have him, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a really tough battle for the Bucks. This Bucks team is a very good team. They're a deep team. I think they have proven that, that they can win without him in spurts. Um, like I I mean, this the Suns team is pushed playing so well. I just I – don't, I don't know – if, if, the, if the Bucks don't have Giannis, I, I don't, don't see him beating the Suns in seven games. Okay. And then, Eric, on the flip side, Chris Middleton has been the one carrying the Bucks this last series. He's been the one carrying them in the fourth quarter. I mean, we saw, we saw um, you know, possessions where 
Giannis can't touch the ball because he's a terrible free throw shooter. He's a terrible shooter, but Chris Middleton is not. He's a great shooter and a great closer. On the kind of the other side for Milwaukee, if Giannis is hurt, can Chris Middleton carry this team? He carried them, you know, at the end of this Hawks series. Can he carry them past the Suns? I mean, I think he actually can. It's going to be way more of a battle for them without, you know, Giannis. But I think you have a good point. Um, Giannis is kind of a liability in the last crunch minutes. Um, you know, they're just going to go foul him. And, or like if he's going up to do, you know, an easy layup or something, they're going to foul him and make sure he has to shoot free throws because you're guaranteed at least him he's going to miss one of those. Um, so I think him being out has get, given Middleton more of the green light. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'd say Middleton can do it for a few games, but he's going to need like a Drew Holiday to help him out also um, or even a Brooke Lopez to get a couple dunks, a couple rebounds, a couple threes. But, yeah, I think Middleton, he's kind of like their Paul George. I think he could actually do it. I think he could step up. It's going to take a lot of effort, but, you know, this is his time to shine. Yeah, and then I agree I agree with that. I think um, he's almost underrated a little bit. He's kind of – this has almost been his coming out party. He's been an all-star, but he's always been in Giannis's shadow. I mean, physically Giannis is taller than him, so he, like, would be in his shadow technically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, but obviously Giannis, two-time MVP, uh, two-time defensive player of the year. So um, this is this is Chris Middleton's series. I mean, I think he can come out. And if Giannis is hurt, misses, you know, the first two games or something, the Bucks can still go on to win. I think you could almost consider this Chris Middleton's team moving forward. Um, and then switching over to the Suns, we know what D-Book is. We know what Chris Paul is. James, who is the other guy that they're going to need to to win, to beat this Bucks team, who are a great defensive team, even without Giannis. Um, PJ Tucker has come on and really helped kind of shore up some of that. So who do the who do the Suns need to step up that isn't their big two, two and a half if you want or you can say DeAndre Aiden if you want, but oh yeah. So yeah, that was an easy question because I am gonna say DeAndre Aiden. And I listened to you guys the episode last week that I wasn't on. And you guys didn't really mention him at all. So I was a little disappointed in that because you forget, he put up 20 and 20 multiple games against the, the Clippers. Like the dude is a bona fide all-star. He's mobile. He can set screen. He can do everything. The only thing he doesn't do is shoot the three ball. But everything else, it, he he's, been, he's good. He's really, really good. Brooke Lopez cannot defend him. Brooke Lopez is too slow. He, that first step that DeAndre Aiden have is going to shake anybody. And Brooke Lopez is getting up there in age. And then he's not the most mobile guy in the world. He never was. The longer he's going to be in this league, the worse he's going to get. DeAndre Ayn's going to dominate him. That, that pick and roll game, just like they did to the Clippers, is going to absolutely destroy the Bucks. Drew Holiday is good, but he's going to make a mistake. He's going to go under a screen or go over a screen when he should have done the opposite, leaving D-Book a three or DeAndre Ayn a dunk. It's, they're going to have the same exact game plan as they had against the Clippers. Pick and roll, grab the ball, kick. It's going to be just like that, and DeAndre Ayn's going to be the focal point of it because of that pick and roll. As long as he's in the game, it's a threat. There's there's no – DeAndre Aiden should be – it's a big three at this point. It's no longer a two and a half. It's a big three. D-Book, CP3, and DeAndre Aiden. He deserves so much more respect than people are giving him. You're right. We did talk about that early, not maybe two podcasts ago, with the Clippers and the issues that they had defending DeAndre Aiden in, in the post. Um, 
you know, and we said that with without Sergi Baca in, the Clippers had a lot of trouble doing that. Brooke Lopez, you just said, you know, he's 35, 36, whoever old he is. So, he, yeah, he's going to have trouble guarding a 22-year-old DeAndre Ayton or whoever, you know. He's still a little, little spring chicken over there in Phoenix. Um, uh, Trade-in. So, we talked about P.J. Tucker and Drew Holiday as being elite defenders. Um, can What can D-Book do? Because we saw P.J. Tucker, you know, mess with KD at minimum, at least wear KD down. Um, is that a worry for Phoenix or is Devin Booker just on fire and too good at this point um, with either of those guys potentially guarding him? Oh, man. Um, I, I, I think I know, it's a, I know it's a tough question, but I think he's going to I think he's going to actually face a, um, a, a some major adversity this or this series. Um, like you said, I think those those two um, those two big defenders on the Bucks are going to actually give him a, a good run for their money. And, you know, he, he's not, I mean, his shooting is okay, but I think that he's going to have to make, he's going to have to find room to, to improve that um, because I just don't think he's going to be able to drive, um, you know, and, and get, and get the points that, that they need. Uh, And he's kind of their major guy besides Chris Paul. Um, He, he's their major scorer, uh, you know, let alone DeAndre Aiden, who I, who I think we, we snubbed last week at, to James's point um, for sure. Uh, I, I, I actually think that the, the, the box are going to actually be able to shut him down in some, in some respect. And we're actually going to see a, see that the rest of the Suns team are going to have to pick up the slack. Yeah. I think your favorite player cam uh, campaign is going to have to, is going to have to show up a little bit. I think they're going to need more depth scoring. Um, they've done a good job with that so far, but D book can get it when D book needs to get it. I think we've seen that throughout the playoffs. Um, I mean, he torched a pretty good Lakers defense, even without Anthony Davis. I mean, in that game six, it looked like he was an NBA player playing against a JV high school team. And those were legit NBA players, and he just destroyed them. So um, I, li- I think it's going to be tough. I think they're going to, you know, you're right. Those other – anyone not named DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul, or Devin Booker is going to have to show up for Phoenix to win. Um and if you're Phoenix, in my mind, you've got to get out to a hot start in this series without Giannis. You know, with his, his issues at the end of the games, be what they may, he's still a two-time MVP. He's still a very unguardable, unguardable basketball player. I mean, he's insane. So um, we've talked about this in the NHL, how Carey Price feels like the guy everyone kind of wants to see win the cup. Is Chris Paul that guy in the NBA – this is the first time, James, you're shaking your head. I know he's not the most likable teammate of all time, but so no. So just no. Yeah, I just <laughs> – did you guys watch the end of that, that Clipper series? Like, that dude was such a punk at the end of it, man. Like, take it with some class at least. Like, you didn't win the finals. You just made it to the finals. Like, why are you celebrating like you won it all? Like, you still got to get four more games in and then some if you don't sweep them. But he's out there acting like a little punk, man. It's like you're the he's like the player rep. He has I know he has more class. I've seen him on those state farm commercials. He's a damn good dude. But <laughs> the fact of the matter, like he didn't he rubbed me the wrong way the way he celebrated that win. And it's like, dude, pay the respect. Like the Clippers aren't a bad team. And I'm not the Clip, biggest Clippers fan by any means, but it was just disrespectful the way that happened, that the way that went down. Like give the guy some props. They didn't have Kawhi. 
Like they did all they could. Stop shaming them the way you're doing that, man. That ain't cool. Eric, as a Clippers fan, and you are also shaking your head, as a more biased side of it, I'm assuming you also don't think Chris Paul is that that guy. No, I, I'd say middle. I'd rather have Middleton be that guy or Giannis. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know what you're saying because of how long he's been in the league and, and how much bad luck he's experienced when he was with the Clippers. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I think he's a good dude too, but sometimes, um, yeah, I mean, he, he can just, he can get under people's skin. Maybe that's what makes him good, you know, but I, I really do. I don't like how he, uh, he flops a lot. I mean, there's a lot of players that do, but he's, he's one that's, uh, you know, started that, um, or, you know, created a big trend of doing that and drawing calls. And, you know, I mean, I guess it's smart on his end to do that. It gets you points. It gets you, uh, stops and momentum and things like that. But, uh, I'd rather see Giannis win it. Um, no bias at all, but, uh, I, I don't know. I think Giannis, uh, it'd be good for him. It'd be good to just see him raise that trophy up. Yeah. Uh, Ty trading thoughts on this topic where you just, you know, Chris Paul and being that guy. Yeah. I mean, I think I agree with you guys. I don't think that the celebration was a little bit much, but I do think that Chris Paul is definitely one of those players that probably deserves it in general. Just he's had such an amazing career and not even gotten to this point before. I think we talked about last week, like, you, you said it, like Chris Paul's never made the finals, and I still was like, damn, like that's just wild to me. So um, he's just been one of those players that's been one of the best and just one of the most, you know, vocal players, one of the most you know, players that's been in, in the spotlight the most. Um, and, he's, and I think for the most part, he's done it the right way. You know, obviously he had – he probably didn't do the best he could have done, the most sportsmanlike thing at the end of the series win against the Clippers. But um, I wouldn't take that one thing and just shut you – know, and just, you know – you know, judge his whole career on that. Um, but I mean, there's, there's, there's players on both sides of this team that I think to, to, to deserve it. But I think for me, Chris Paul is probably the top of that list for me. What you said that he did it the right way. What do you mean by that? Like, what did he do that made it the right way? His career. Yeah. I, I just, I just think he's been a good teammate. Um, I think that he's, you know, played the, the way that he, he should play. I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm not the biggest, I don't know Chris Paul's career, like the, you know, the back of my hand, but you know, from what I've heard from around the league, from what I've understood about his career, I think he's a very well-respected player um, by his teammates. I think he's been a good leader for his teammates. You know, I think for as, as long as he's played it, you know, I think he has played the game the right way for the most part. I mean, he's not, but he's, 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 he's not perfect by any means, but I mean, who is? Trading, any thoughts? Nah, fuck that guy. i I have nothing else to add like okay yeah um, i i guess it's i think it's more of a big bigger thing that the suns this is their you know chance to finally win one i I, as a team as an organization that's a bigger deal than fucking chris paul yeah i mean well said chris chris paul's one of those guys where you could love him if he's on your team and you fucking hate him if he's not you know kind of like a puig kind of like a any of the chucks it's just one of the, it's just a deal. Like he's a great motivator. He can seem like an asshole. Um, but you know what? His other than getting hurt in playoffs, he's been a pretty good player in his career. <laughs> um, let's just go around real quick then. And let's make our pick.
fixed. It hasn't started. It kind of worked out great for us that it's going to, we're not doing this halfway through. It starts tomorrow evening. Um, so Eric, let's start with you. Um, let's go also, let's also pick finals MVP. So who's going to win? How many games? Who wins the finals MVP? Um, Bucks in six. Middleton finals MVP. Okay. I like that. Ty Ty. I'm going to go Suns in seven, Booker, MVP. Trade. I'm going to say what Eric said, six, uh, Bucks and six, and Chris Middleton. And James. Suns in five, DeAndre Ayton. Suns in five. Yeah. I'm going to stick with the Bucks. I picked them at the beginning of these playoffs. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to go Bucks in seven because I want to see one of these finals that we got going on go seven games. And I'm going to go Drew Holiday. Um, I just, I don't know. I just have a sneaky good feeling. He's going to have a great, great, uh, great finals. And it's kind of different with basketball. It's really just the final MVP. It's not the entire playoffs, unlike hockey, which is now that I'm thinking about it, really dumb. <laughs> which one's dumb? Uh, the NBA one. It I should agree. be the entire, it should be the I entire agree. postseason um, because you don't just, magically get there it should be the entire postseason so nba figure it out um <laughs> other than that why well, you know it we'll have to see next week if we're we'll probably most likely still be going on um unless we get a sweep but uh that's all i got for the nba this week was you know we're down to just two teams here we go the last two the last battle uh the finals um yeah, you hope next week that there's still some uh, hockey going and that there's still some basketball going. Um, but I'll tell you, there's something else that's still going, and that's baseball, of course. And Tyler is going to talk more about it for our last segment when we return. You know what's still going on right now? Baseball. But we're halfway through, guys, surprisingly. Um, it's actually going pretty fast. And uh, Tyler's here to ask us all about what we've thought so far, I think, at the halfway point. Right, Tyler? <laughs> That's right. Last week, uh, baseball surpassed its halfway point of the season, which it always comes around too fast for me. Um, but the halfway point's always fun because you get the all-star game. Um, we get the home run derby, which in my opinion is one of the best uh, events in sports. Um, but we're going to talk first about the first half of this, M this 2021 MLB season. And we're just going to go around the horn and talk about everyone's kind of favorite moments, storylines that have happened so far and kind of what they're looking forward to for the second half. It's been, it's been a great, great one so far. Um, so let's go, let's get into it. Um, James, what do you got? What's, what's your favorite moment storyline of the first half of, of the season so far? My favorite moment so far was Trey Mancini's first at-bat this season. A little bit of background information here. Trey Mancini is a first baseman slash outfielder for the Baltimore Orioles, a team that is horrendous this year. Um, doesn't disparage the fact that he, in 2020, he was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer. He underwent surgery, chemo, treatments, and missed the entire 2020 season. Uh, before, right around spring training, he was officially diagnosed as cancer-free. And so he had an amazing spring training. I think he hit like 340 with a couple home runs and looked amazing. Uh, but it, 
it's just so emotional when he w- finally went back out there and there's actually fans in the stands and he's out there on his first at bat and he knocks one. It wasn't a home run, but he had a, he had a hit at his first at bat and to see him get to first base and hug the Red Sox first baseman. I think it was a uh, Chavez. I don't, I don't remember, but that every time you got on base from that point forward, it's just like, I'm glad you're here kind of thing. It's really cool to see how baseball is a very, family and like it's you realize some things are bigger than baseball life is definitely bigger than baseball health is bigger than baseball so it's cool to see that happen and this year has been a great year for him he has 15 home runs this season he's actually going to be in the home run derby so you're going to see him on next monday the 12th competing at charlie otani it'll be it'll be good to see it's a great story good feel good story shay mancini amazing definitely that's a great one um it's always good to see those comeback stories especially with something like that um, gives a lot of people hope and joy and for something that was, you know, pretty tr- traumatic. So um, great, great, great one there, James. Um, Alex, what do you got? What's your, what's your favorite first half moment so far? Yeah, it's got to be Jacob DeGrom. I mean, he is insane. He's the best pitcher in baseball and it's not even close. I mean, up until I think his last start where he gave up three earned runs, which, you know, any other, t- any other guy would be, you're like, okay, you know, it's, that's pretty good. He had more RBIs as a batter than earned runs allowed. That's insane, unless your name is Shohei Otani. Like, that's nuts. I mean, he's, um, you know, he's throwing harder and harder as his career goes on. He's, you know, he's, I, don't, I like don't even know how to describe how good he is. I mean, obviously, I've watched Clayton Kershaw for 13 years, and Kershaw's never done anything like what DeGrom's doing this year. I mean, Kershaw's the, the, you know, the best pitcher of this generation. DeGrom's the next one now, even though he's, you know, he started a little bit, a little bit older, but um, he's having an amazing season. He's had a couple of little injury issues and I really hope he can finish this season out. And we see one of the all time great pitching seasons ever. Um, you know, Bob Gibson in 1969, something like that where they have to like change a rule because of how good Jacob DeGrom is. Cause it's, it's getting to that point. I mean, he feels unfair. He's thrown the most hundred mile an hour pitches this season. He's nuts. Like he, I don't know how anyone ever gets a hit off of him, but Jacob DeGrom, keep doing your thing. Um, yeah. He's been amazing. Yeah. That was actually my number one kind of moment and um, kind of looking forward to seeing what's going to happen. I mean, I, I would, I'm glued in to see if he can get a sub one. I think it's, it's an insane to think about, but we're halfway through and he's there so far, just copy and paste. Second. I know it's easier said than done, but uh, I think DeGrom has a great shot at doing it and we're witnessing history. So um, if you're not already paying attention to Jacob DeGrom ERA and his amazing season, get on board because it is, it is incredible. You, these kind of seasons do not happen very often. Um, Eric, what do you got? Um, you know, I got, I got my boy Otani. Uh, I foreshadowed this two years ago that he would be really good. Um, I was one year off, but, you know, I think we've been praising him a lot this year. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, he's leads the league in home runs, uh, making his first all-star appearance ever. Uh, he's first in slugging percentage in the AL second in runs created in the AL second in total bases, first in triples, third in RBIs, and he is the first all-star player to be voted both 
in a pitching position and the DH position. Just a lot of crazy stats. And I know that we are, we're all big fact check stat guys. So seeing all these different unique stats uh, caught my attention, but you know, especially Mike Trout is, has been out for a good amount of time now. He's kind of picked up the load for the Angels. You know, the Angels are still in their fashion of, you know, nine games back <laughs> out of a spot. But he's he's given them some hope. Uh, he's staying consistent, and that's something the Angels need. Um, Ten home runs and 30 strikeouts uh, two different times. The only other guy to do that was Babe Ruth. Ever heard of him, Tyler? Was once a good baseball player. Um, but, yeah, you know, just Otani um, kind of filling in the shoes that um, people kind of saw when he when he got his rookie of the year. He kind of had an off year last year, but it's good to see him kind of pick things back up. And that was, you know, something that caught my attention, obviously because I'm an Angels fan too, but, you know, it's good to see him doing well. Yeah, he's lighting up the league. He's finally showcasing what we've all been expecting and the potential that he could bring with being this two-way player that's really never seen in this league. And he's doing it at an elite level. You know, obviously he's an all-star. He's going to be in the home run derby. I've loved watching Shohei play this year. He's probably been my favorite player to watch this season. Um, and I think he's easily front runner for MVP right now in, in, in the American League. Um, I, I, hope he, I hope he keeps it up, you know, Mike Trout hopefully comes back at some point and seeing those two on the same team is going to be something to watch when they're both healthy and, and, and playing right. So um, I'm really looking forward to uh, more from Shohei, especially in, in the home run derby. I think that that's going to be really, really fun to watch. Uh, Traden, what's your top moment? Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Um, I think the top moment would have to be the, the, the batting average, the batting average drop um, all tied with the, you know, when I say tied, I mean alongside the 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 foreign substance you know issues that we've seen this season, and you know I, I what I, I guess what I just find it most interesting. We talked about this countless weeks, so I know that everyone's bored about it. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know talk too much about it. Just just it's just interesting that you know you know the first couple of weeks, Tyler, you opened up and I took almost every one of these weeks just because I think it's just so fascinating how you know baseball is all about stats. So it's really interesting to see how the, how the game shifted season over season. But, um, you know, you started with saying, Hey, you know, batting average is down. What, what do you think about this? Is it bad for the game? And I said, no, it's just kind of, you know, kind of a start to the season. And then it kind of persisted. And then the foreign substance thing kind of, you know, really came about and it's really been kind of the dominant headline of the whole season. It's not the greatest headline. I mean, not the fun headline, but it is a definitely a big headline for the, for major league baseball. Uh, and it's very interesting to see how once they implemented the the ban, which I think is two weeks old now, I believe two, this is the two weeks that they actually are um, suspending for players. Um, the batting averages have already jumped um, and, you know, they jumped about seven points in June toward, you know, from the from the mid middle point of June to towards the end. And it just shows that maybe that had some maybe that had a bit to do with it. Um, spin rates are, are down pretty notably when you look at the league average it's down about 150 revolutions per minute which doesn't seem like a lot when you're talking about two, you know 23 2400 you know um, rpm but when you're when you're, the entire league is averaging that you know that's mo that's hundreds of pitchers thousands of pitches you know over the, the course of those two weeks that is um you know considerable uh differences 
uh, you know, and, and, and we might just see that continue. We've already seen um, Hector Santiago um, get ejected um, under the protocols. I believe that was last week. Um, he plays for the Mariners. If you, if you didn't know that, I assume you did. Um, <laughs> uh, and now we're just starting to see, I mean, we, uh, anecdotally, we, we saw the, you know, we saw the pitchers for both teams at the Dodgers giants game, get, get looked at. Um, I, um, uh, I believe it was, who was your pitcher that, that Bueller, day? Tyler Mosman, Bueller. Bueller. Yeah. Bueller, Bueller was checked twice from my, from what I remember in the same game. Uh, and I believe there's, there's some pitchers that are having to, to drop their pants to check, to check for substances. And I just, it's just, it's just crazy, uh, crazy banana lands out there when it comes to this. And it's just interesting to see um, how this story, if the story is eventually going to, you know, kind of be put to rest. Um, I, I, I just find it surprising that Hunter Sox, Hector Santiago got pinned so early. I think we expected it to happen like a month or two not a week. <laughs> like I knew no one would get ejected in the first week, but to have it happen in the second week that they're checking, like, dude, come on. Um, and then I don't think, I, I think you're just going to see that, you know, the, the suspensions are going to drop precipitously. I can say it again um, because <laughs> it just, they're just not going to risk it anymore. They're checking seemingly almost every inning. Um, even um, Alex's boy DeGrom was checked, uh, you know, it, you know, but, obviously he's not an issue it also is, it, it's also interesting there's a lot of players that are speaking out about the issues on it with gripping the ball i don't want to, i don't need to get into that you guys know more than me than that but it's just it's just a quite an interesting dynamic um and it's parallel to the uh to the steroid era that we saw in the was it the oddies early 2000s 90s yeah. area so yeah definitely been a very interesting we've talked about it so much and they've been really interesting uh discussions and it's it's been it's been interesting to watch. Uh, we'll we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. How many suspensions we'll get. I agree. The fact that we got one already in the first two weeks is pretty incredible. Um, so we'll see if there's any more. We'll see you know how intense the umpires are. If they're going to keep. I mean, they're checking. It seems like every other inning or so um, with with, the, with 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 these pitchers. So we'll see if they continue that rate of of inspection or what. So. We'll see what happens with that, but that's definitely something to watch. And it's been, like I said, one of the, one of the most dominating storylines, unfortunately, because we, we we prefer to talk about players and you know guys like Shohei and Degrom, but we're talking about sticky stuff on the baseball. But it is important; and it's part of the game, so you know it is what it is. But definitely something to look forward to. Um, for me, kind of you know first first half, and especially looking forward to the second half, like the battle in the National League West, I think is incredible. I think we all expected you know Dodgers and Padres to be on top of the division, but here come the San Francisco Giants out of nowhere and have made that a huge three-team monster in, in the National League West. And I'm super intrigued to see how, how that's going to play out because it could be any one of those three. Um, we've been, you know, kind of shoving the Giants to the side for a very long time, but they're here and they're here to stay. Um, currently, the Dodgers and Giants are separated by half a game and the Padres, I believe, are three and a half games out of first place right now. So it's tight. It's going to be tight all the way through. Um, so that battle to me is going to be really, really fun to watch. Those are probably going to be the top three teams in the, in the national league when it's all said and done. And two of them are going to be playing in the wildcard game for a one game battle to see who makes it to the next round. So that's going to be super fun. Um, so that for me is the, my best moment or storyline of, of the first half. So real quick, let's go to the all-star game. So the all-star game is in a couple of weeks in Colorado, the all-star selection 
um, dropped on Sunday. We got to see who the, the, the full roster so far. Obviously, changes can be made either due to injuries or a lot of times you know, a lot of starting pitchers will not play in the All-Star game because they had a start that was, you know, um, on a Sunday or Saturday before the game. So they'll, you know, sub someone else in. So there still could be some tweaks and changes, but there's always snubs. So I want to know what everyone's, you know, top snub of the All-Star uh team is it can be national league or american league just kind of your number one per player that you feel deserves to be in the all-star game that so far has not been selected so um alex let's start with you yeah i'm gonna go uh i'm gonna not pick a dodger because i'm trying to be unbiased um but i am gonna pick another west coast team because it's bullshit that chris bassett for the oakland athletics is not an all-star nine and two 109 strikeouts a three four er 3.04 era and a whip just above one. He's had an incredible year. The A's are typically never, you know, they're never talked about because they're not the Giants. They play on the West Coast. They have no money, blah, 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 blah. But Chris Bassett's having a great year. He should be an all-star. I mean, again, he might still be an all-star. Um, but he's probably the most underrated pitcher in baseball right now. He's having a great season. Um, you know, the A's are fighting for a playoff spot, and he's a huge reason he should be an all-star. Um, so Chris Bassett, I hope you get in with, you know, what Tyler just mentioned, somebody pitching Sunday doesn't want to pitch on the, during the game, but Chris Bassett is my all-star snub. Yeah, it's a good, there's, there's a lot of pitchers that were snubbed, but uh, Eric, who do you got? Um, Manny Machado. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew you would be, be uh, irritated about that answer. Oh, shit. Um, Taiwan Walker. Is that his name? Yep. <laughs> Pitcher from the Mets, but I guess because he's not uh, DeGrom, you know, DeGrom's the one who's for sure getting the nod for the All-Stars. Um, J.P. Crawford, shortstop with the Mariners. Um, I don't know, guys, just th this is from my fact-checking and research. You know, I don't know a lot about these players, but uh, <laughs> Freddie Peralta, pitcher from the Brewers. Apparently he was snubbed. Um, and okay, I do know this guy though. Max Scherzer um, said he was in the All Stars seven years in a row. And uh, is he not in it, or is he just not starting? No, Tyler. he's clearly not an All Star. Okay. Yeah, so he's gone seven years straight, and then now that streak is broken. So that's probably the biggest snub I would say. Uh, Trade, who you got? I got uh, Dodgers third baseman Alec Martyr. Alex Martyr. Um, it's kind of <laughs> you know uh, he's he's only been in the All Star game once, and that was in 2017, I believe. Uh, and you know, I, I he just kind of a big part of your you know your guys's team. I mean, you guys can handpick any player, and they're all any you can make a case for like half of your Dodgers starting lineup. I mean, let's just be real. But I think he's I think he's kind of underrated on on your team. I think he's actually a really decent part of your team um you know he has a war of 2.3 this season which is lower than his average but his average is always consistent and it's better he's playing better than last year um you know and i mean simply put his beard just puts him in it right like that's that that's, that's an, an all-star all beard. Beard. Yeah. so if it's just a shame that we won't see him with that in there yeah um uh, i'll talk more about that one later but james who's your biggest snub okay you're gonna you're gonna hate me and Alex will too. That's okay. I'm going to pick an Astros guy. Um, the Astros guy is going to be Yuli Gurriel, first baseman. It's going to be tough, right? Because <clears throat> Vladdy Guerrero is going to take that first spot. 
like that's no questions asked of course like he's having a hell of a year he's doing good things but on a reserve basis you have Matt Olson who deserves to be there and my guy Jared Walsh and I love Jared Walsh to death he's like I think fifth and runs battered in in the AL but the offensive averages are not there for him Yuli Gurriel on the other hand 322 390 495 that's what he's hitting right now he is having a better statistical year based off averages and Jared, Jared Walsh is. And the Astros are in a good spot. They're leading the division. They're doing all the good things, but Yuli Gurriel got snubbed from a reserve spot. That's all I'm going to say. As much as I hate the Astros, I do have to agree with you on that. The fact that a dude's hitting 322 is not in the All-Star game is yeah, kind of crazy. Um, so I, I do agree that he should be in the All-Star game. Um, there's, there's a plethora of pitchers that were snubbed. I mean, especially in the National League, uh, Peralta, as Eric mentioned, uh, Scherzer as well, Walker Bueller, you know, are the, a bunch of, bunch, a bunch of pitchers. And that's just how good the pitching has been. You also have to consider too, you know, you know, for the national or for the all-star selections, they have to select one player, at least one player from every team. So there are guys that probably statistically aren't as good as guys that got snubbed, but in order to represent everyone, you have to pick and choose, you know, um, but I agree with trading for me. It's Justin Turner. And like I said, you know, I didn't want to be biased, but to be honest, like when I really looked at everyone, like that to me was the biggest one for a couple of reasons. As Trey mentioned, you know, he's only been an all-star one time and he's been a huge part of that. Dot. He's been an all-star pretty much every year. It's just, you know, he, I think he, he, he's, he's at a position that's extremely competitive. You got Nolan Arenado that's been at third base, uh, Chris Bryant, a bunch of players. Um, uh, Rendon for a while was in the national league at, at, at third base. So he's just been uh, unfortunately just at the bottom of that, um, which is unfortunate because he's been such a huge part of this team. But this year, statistically, he's bet he's you know his batting average and a lot of other statistics, other than maybe home runs, he's better than Arenado. He's better than um, Chris Bryant. Um, so the fact that he's not even in there as a sub to me is really unfortunate. I really hope some way or shape or form he does get in the All Star game because he's been an All Star. He's been the Dodgers' best hitter consistently all season long. Um, I think Max Muncie is, is there too, but I think as a whole entire hitter. Justin Turner is our guy. Um, so I would love to see JT in there. Um, so hopefully he does. But to me, that's my, my, my biggest snub. But either way, snubs or not, All-Star game is always fun to watch. So July 12th, um, that will take place in Coors Field. So I think we'll talk a, more, a little bit more about that when it, when it comes up. But um, that was my snubs. So then real quickly, the last thing I want to do, we got some more uh, City Connect jerseys that pop. There's also one that I completely forgot about from a long time ago. <laughs> that we're also going to grade and we're also going to grade the all-star jerseys. So we got three jerseys here to rate. So real quick, let me start sharing my screen and we are going to begin. I'm going to start with the all-star jerseys um, this season, which are pretty interesting. Let me get this out of the way real quick. All right. Well, whatever. Um, We'll start with the hats. Um, I actually don't hate the hats. I think the hats are, are, are pretty cool. Um, obviously, you know, they got the, the Colorado purple and black in the background with the, with the, um, main team's logo in the front. And then if we scroll down, we got the actual jerseys here. So we got American league is this dark blue with kind of a, with a red trim, gold trim, and then these really weird looking white <laughs> jerseys for the national league. You got the, you know, the, the three letter, um, ab- abbreviation for each team, along with their logo kind of over on top of it, the American flag on on the side and the, the all-star patch on the other side. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, we'll give it a, Eric, have you done these before with us? Yeah. I did the I've, first I've done like the 
White Sox one that we all okay. thought was horrible, but you loved it. Yeah, it's still disgusting. <laughs> but, but real quick, so with these uh, all-star jerseys, uh, just as a whole, obviously they're both a little bit different, but just in general as a whole, let's go around the ratings. Eric, what do you got on these? These are absolutely, unfortunately horrendous. Um, they're going to look pretty bad uh, during the game. I mean, it looks like why couldn't they have taken the three letters and just moved those to the left side so you can see the logo, not just placed over the top of the letters. Yeah. I don't know. It seems a little weird, but who knows? It could be like one of those things that in the future it may, I don't know. It may like mesh in and be better. The angels one looks terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, as you zoom in on it. So does the twins one. Um, actually, you know what? No, these will never be good. They're pretty bad. So what, <laughs> that's what, my take yeah well, what's what's your rating on it uh out of 10 yeah uh 3.4 Ooh, damn alex what do you got i have 0.0 .0. these <laughs> are terrible i'm also not a fan of all-star jerseys anyway i personally like it when they play in their own team's uniform I think it's fun to see them like with their own uniform out on the field. Um, so if I have to like 0 0.1, I guess, to at least give it a number, but I, these are atrocious, especially I don't, the uh, national league ones specifically with the white look terrible. They kind of both all look like, um, like European soccer jerseys a little bit, which I'm not a fan of like European soccer jerseys are cool. If you're playing European soccer, this is American baseball. Wear your own goddamn jersey. I actually don't mind the hats, though. Um, okay, I'll give it a 1.0 because the hats get a, give it a bump. So my actual number is 1.0 out of 10 because the hats I kind of like. Um, those those look pretty sick. With per I'm a big fan of purple, so the purple behind looks pretty cool, but the jerseys themselves, yikes. Yeah, I agree. They're, they're, they're pretty rough. Trading, what do you got? Oh, my God. <laughs> um. Okay, absolutely. I thought this. I thought we were playing soccer. First of all, <laughs> a great, great job, Alex. You read my mind. And um, can we? Can, let's look at it. Why the fuck is it a pullover? What in the flying fuck is that? Like baseball jer or jerseys are supposed to be buttoned up all the way. Why is it a fucking pullover? I can't get over that. That's negative ten out of ten. Negative <laughs> ten out of ten. It's so bad. I, I, it's making me not even want to watch it. Watch it. Like, it's that bad. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. It, yeah, it's bad. Yeah. James, what do you got? I think they're trying to be too much, man. The whole layering aspect of it, they try to be cool, they try to be modern, they try to be above the times than they are right now. It's It does not look good at all. Uh, the hats, I'm a fan of. I like the patches. So, like, the, the American flag and the all-star patch on each, like, arm and shoulder area that, that looks cool i'll give him some positive points on that and i actually do like the color scheme like the white and then the blue and then the navy blue and the brown it's very modern to me so i like that a lot but i'm giving it a 3.3 out of 10 yeah i think overall that the american league ones look a little better than national league ones the national league ones are just far horrible like it just does not look good the, the American League ones look a little better, but still not great. So I'm, I'm going to go with 2.3 out of 10 on these. I'm just, I'm not a fan. I do like the hats though. I think the hats are like close to a six, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, the jerseys bring them down by a lot. So 
Sorry, All-Star Game, Coors Field. You kind of screwed the pooch on that one. Way to go, uh, Nike, idiots. Yeah, freaking freaking Nike. What are you doing? Um, so let's move on. So this is the one I forgot about. This was way early on in the season. The Boston Red Sox had these City Connect jerseys. Um, obviously very not Boston Red Sox looking. Um, but just to put it in context, these are inspired by the Boston Marathon. So that's the, that explains the colors, if that helps your ratings a little bit before you go off on the yellow and um, blue there. But uh, because I forgot about these, we're going to do these real quick. So James, what's your rating on these guys? Uh, I really do not like the color. It's like a mustard yellow. Not a fan, man. Um, 3.5. Trading, what do you got? Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Two out of ten. No, Nothing else. Brutal rating ratings this week. Alex, what do you got on these? When these first came out, I was not a fan. After seeing some of the other ones, these actually don't look as bad. <laughs> uh, immediately, I thought UCLA when I saw them, yep. um, which is about <clears throat> far away from Boston as you can get. Um, but I don't hate them. I think, like, with Devers, with the gold, like yellow cleats that match, they kind of look okay. Um, I'm going to give it – I'll just give it a 5 out of 10. It, they're just they're just okay. Yeah. Eric, what do you got? Give the jersey a 3.3, but the hat I'll give like a 6.8. All right. The hat's a lot better than the jersey. Yeah. These to me look like a UCLA alternate jersey, especially with the, with the blue and gold B like that. So that, that was my first thought. Uh, to me, they're just too far off of Boston's colors. I understand the whole marathon thing and all that, but that for me is what kind of kills it. So I'm gonna go with a 4.4 on this one. Just it, it's not horrible. Like I don't, I don't, I don't mind blue and gold. It just doesn't really. When I think City Connect, I mean, I'm not from Boston, so I think maybe if you're from the area, these connect with you a little more. But for me, they they, they don't scream Boston to me at all. Like they don't, or they're they're not Boston Red Sox. So that's why I gave it a pretty low score. Um, so moving on to the last one here, the oh, got some stuff to say about this one. These ones just dropped yesterday or this morning. Um, so these are the San Francisco Giants City Connect jerseys. Alex, what do you got on these beauties? Okay, I tried to be as unbiased as I physically could with these. Number one problem: Why does it look like they're all dead? Like, why <laughs> are they like in the heavens? Yeah. I don't understand that part. I'm not a fan of the G, the gradient G going orange to white. Um, I kind of like the Golden Gate Bridge on the sleeve. It kind of looks sick. My only issue with it is in your when you're at, uh, what's it called now? Oracle Park, I guess. You can't see the bridge. You can see the Bay Bridge. It's right there. But the Golden Gate Bridge is like another two miles back up the ocean behind you. So I'm like Give the Bay Bridge some love. It's just, just as cool of a bridge. Um, I, they're just kind of boring. Like all the other ones, at least they went out there. These sort of look like if a uh, little league team wanted to be named the Giants, but like couldn't get real jerseys. So they made kind of fake ones that sort of look like the Giants. So I'm going to give them like a 3.7 out of 10. I'm just, I'm not about it. Eric, what do you got in these? Yeah, I'm going to go pretty much agree with all the points just stated. Um, I'll even say, too, the hats, like, 
Come on, the Puma Orange Hat. They're trying to copy Ricky Fowler's Puma <laughs> Orange Hat. Giants, what are you doing? You're baseball players. You're not golfers. Uh, 2.8. Damn. Wow. James. So this reminds me of a creamsicle, man. Like the color scheme of it and everything. It's a creamsicle. That's what it should be called. Not even a city connect. It's a creamsicle. Uh, the G, like Alex had mentioned, I like the gradient of it. The actual waist position in the font. It reminds me of that app called Game Time. So like that thing where you go buy tickets, that reminds me of that. <clears throat> um, overall though, I like how simple it is. Just that one thing, the G, and then the Golden Gate Bridge on the side, the gradient, not a fan of once again. But the simplicity of it, I can, I can, I like. So I'm going to say five, four. All right. Trade, what do you got on these? I love the fog that they're going for. That's what it is, guys. They're in fog. Newsflash, there's a lot of flog in San Francisco. Flog. 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 That side of San Francisco doesn't have fog, though. It's the so, other side. No, I thought it was called smug or something. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think they're actually pretty cool. Um, and and I'm trying to be unbiased. I think the the, the, the idea that they're trying to go for the, that fog effect is, is you know, pretty cool. So I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. All right. Um, yeah, again, trying to be unbiased. I, first of all, like – it doesn't matter if the Giants or if it's who else. I hate the color orange. It is like my least favorite color ever. And like the uh, Flyers jerseys, I hate those because it's just orange up in your face and it really bothers me. Um, the, what I did like about the San Francisco Giants, the normal Giants uniforms in general, I actually kind of like a lot because it's not too orange. You got the off-white with the black and stuff and it's a little bit of orange accent. These ones are just for me, like it's just grossly orange. Um, so that's definitely a bias thing, not on the Giants, but just on my color preferences. So I really just hate looking at these things um, just because the orange to me is just, it's just, it's too much. Um, so I'm going to give it a, a two, one, you know, like I, there, there are aspects of it that unbiasedly that I do like about it. I think the bridge is a cool effect. I think the hats are kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I just, orange is gross to me, but so there you go. A pretty, a pretty rough rating on these ones guys, but uh, you know, Hey, not, they're not all going to be good. You know, so uh, we will see what happens more. But um, that is all I got for baseball this week. So thanks, boys. Everybody, um, as I always say uh, when I close it out, so it's, you know, 54 weeks now of you guys listening to us rant and preach and whatever you want to call it. But, uh, you know, we're thankful and glad that you guys continue to listen and support us. Um, you know, we're going to keep doing the best that we can to be on point with all the knowledge we share, um, and to learn and to grow this podcast. Um, but you know, I always talk about the sports world is flourishing. Um, things are coming to an end. Uh, we could be potentially one game away from the Stanley cup being risen. Um, the NBA final starts tomorrow and let's hope that's a lengthy series. We are at the halfway point of baseball. Uh, two weeks from now, we got our last major tournament of the golf season. Um, and last but not least, we're one month away from football to start kicking off. So right, James, 10 weeks, what 10 weeks, 10 man. weeks. That's like a month. Um, anyways, <laughs> yeah, totally bro. <laughs> uh, Thank you guys for listening. Um, and we hope to have you keep listening next week and the week after that and the week after that. Um, 
TLDR boys signing out.